Yo, this is Akis. And this is Taria. And you're listening to Columbus Can't Wait. Either do politics. Our politics do you. It's super exciting to be back in the Dreamcatchers recording studio. I love it here. Yeah, I'm glad to be back. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it's super homey. And I feel like when our guests come in, they feel welcome and it's a great space. Professional. The engineers are amazing. So, you know, it's crazy that you say that because every time after we're done recording, I always get a text like, yo, that space was incredible. I can't wait to come back. Yeah. Hey, presentation is key and they do a great job. So if you're looking to record something, audio books, music, your your album, podcast, anything that can be recorded, you can do it at the Dreamcatchers Recording Studio. Facts. Asking the question why critical thinking, I think that that is important. And and really, like, I mean, we're kind of deep into the episode and stuff now, but uh, (laughs) we we had had Chavez's moment here in in the Dreamcatcher studio with us today um, for this episode of Columbus Can't Wait. Um, And and Chavez is a barber. And I think that, you know, that that conversation even was like a microcosm of, of... the way that conversations <laughs> in a barbershop can go. Um, yes. Just in fact, like you can literally talk about anything from like scholarly stuff to the tip drill videos, you know what I mean? Everything. And then everything <laughs> in between. But I do think that that is kind of, um, I don't want to say symbolic, but it, it is like indicative of the fact that we don't really have a space to just exchange ideas um regardless of if you agree disagree with them um besides like the barbershop like i I think that that's probably one of our last sacred spaces here in uh in our society and stuff right now so um definitely thank you for being on the podcast first and foremost and um, we definitely want to get into like some of the uh well, just what it's like, you know what I mean, the, the whole space. Season three of Columbus Can't Wait is all about black spaces in general. Okay. And so, um, you know, that's the reason why we wanted you to come into the podcast. I think, like I said, that the barbershop and the beauty shop is is probably like our last frontier. Like that's that's like the, the Alamo, you know what I mean? <laughs> like this is the last sacred space for black folk and whatnot. And, you know, as a barber yourself, it's been in the profession for decades, like this is you're kind of like a, a grandmaster of it, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. So. Yeah. So yeah, but the the barbershop is probably for a black man the only space that we've ever had to just be open, honest, organic, sincere, mm-hmm. you know, uh vulnerable. Mm-hmm. The barbershop has been that only place that we've had because um where you're not judged, where you don't have the stigmatisms and you don't have the expectations of that society has for the black man. Because the other place people would say is church. No, but the other place, you know, with so many other things that go on in church and judging and you're supposed to be on your best behavior. And, you know, it's, there's, there's limits at It's at very church. respectable at church. Yeah. You're supposed to be on your best, you know, like we talked you about earlier. You have to dress a certain way to you, even you, come you, in the door. You have, you have to have that mask on. You have to have your Facts. church face on. Facts. In the barbershop, you come in and you just like, it's whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm the president of this organization, this company. I'm fortune 5,000 this that and the other but when you come in the barbershop that don't mean nothing your name is still Ray everybody Ray. gotta get a line <laughs> you still, I you, you have still only Ray been Ray. in a barbershop maybe maybe I really like respect the space so I don't be like trying to like 
you know, like go with my husband and stuff to the barbershop. So in my yeah. life, I probably have been in a barber, an actual like barbershop where it was only men, probably like two or three times. And I like twice a- I was taking my nephew to get his hair cut. And yeah. I was like, do I need to like step outside? <laughs> this feels awkward. Feels no. like I'm like encroaching, you know, on Your a really like a really like sacred space. Your barbershop is the first one that my daughter's ever been to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when I came to uh, get my hair cut and whatnot, like that was her first. And when we left, she had, like she talked my ear off the whole way home. Like, yeah. So why did they have this? And they had this up on the wall and and this and that. I was like, yo, every this is us. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and I think that that's probably like the barbershop. To your point about the unfiltered part, it a couple episodes ago we had um some folk from the Maroon Arts Group that came on. They said like if you want to know how the streets are feeling like outside of like a, a big cultural moment when there's not hashtags everybody's not talking about it on social media where do you go you go to the open mic and i think that he left off a part there's another place that you can go to to, to hear what the 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 pulse of the culture is and that's the barbershop the beauty salon yeah uh, to, to hear what people are thinking about on the day-to-day type basis and whatnot organically and organically because the conversations just come up yeah. and you you just reveal yourself because you don't have to like bread all right i'm gonna be real Matter of fact, you was cutting my hair when this happened. We um we did a segment a couple months ago, and it was on the news and whatnot. And my hair, like, you know, I got locks and stuff now, so it was up in the ponytail. I look ridiculous, you know what I'm saying? Like, bro, being in the barber chair is probably one of the most humble spots that you could be in because you're in a state that's like, yo, I'm not where I need to be at. I'm coming into this chair right now to transform to be where I do need to be at. And when you get out of the chair, it, it feels like a sense of being mm-hmm. like it, it, you're you're a new man when you get out of the chair. But while you're there, you're completely humble. The, There's nothing to. That's the only place where a black. That's the one place where a black man is most vulnerable and most submissive. Yeah. Where can you Where can you go, and you have two black men meet each other mm-hmm. that have never seen each other. They sit down. One sits down, and and he's in a submissive position. Yeah. You can tell him what to do. Take your clothes off. I mean, take it, take your jacket off. Take your hat off. Sit up straight. Move your head to the right. Move your head to the left. Mm-hmm. Hold your head up. Put your chin down. All that. And at and at no point does that man who's always in control, he's in control of everything. At no point does that man ever refuse your command. Yeah. That's a like Think about it. A black man that mm-hmm. is in total control of everything. Is totally submissive to another individual. When did you make that realization? What you just described just now? Long time ago. Yeah? Long time ago. Because this is the place where, because barbers, we touch everybody from the pimp to the preacher. Mm -hmm. The whole realm. So you get the toughest dude that's in the streets. He's 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 the man in the street. He's the number one dope boy. You know, everybody fears him in, in the neighborhood. But when he comes in the barbershop, he's just a regular dude. When you sit down, you're going to sit nice and still because what? Ultimately, you don't want your haircut messed up. And well, you're and you recognize fu- you're not the master that somebody knows, like someone huh? is is doing something that you don't know how to do, right? Like that's why you're there, or that yeah. you can't do. No, no, like, no, yeah. no, because you go other places where there's stuff that you can't do. When you go, when you go to drop your car off and get your oil changed, that's a good point. You can't, you don't know how to change the oil, so somebody else has to do it. But this mm-hmm. is a place of 
personal pampering. This yeah. is an opportunity for a man that does everything to have somebody do something for him. And you're very submissive. You don't want that messed up. Where where do black men go? Where do black men go and they're pampered? Somebody's actually doing something for them. The barbershop. Home. No. Well, no. <laughs> At no, my house. No home. No, it's not the same, brother. It's not the same. Being at the barbershop and being no, at home I, with your but, girl. But here's, but here's the thing. Not the being, same. Being at home. I told y'all okay. I've never been in a barbershop. No, that's what, like that's what we're telling you. So, yeah, we're telling you, bro. Like the barbershop is a magical place. Yeah, the, bar- the barbershop is where. They have you have no responsibility. You sit there and somebody is taking care of you. You don't have to worry at, about at, the barber's feelings, bro. At your at, at your house <laughs> at your house, your husband takes care of everything, securely security wise, mm-hmm. where he should be mm-hmm. security wise. He makes you secure and mm-hmm. easy. So then you you are more apt to be in a in a situation where you're pleasing him. It's an exchange. Where, where it's, 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 it's an say. exchange. He, yeah. he 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 does what we call manly roles and you do what you call womanly roles. Meaning he's the protector, the breadwinner, but we now know men and women, they both make money together. Mm-hmm. But for those security states, he's, you know, the leader and this and that and the other. Mm-hmm. And the woman is comes right with him, walks right beside him, but she has different roles. You're gonna be more of the nurturer and take care of your son and take care of your daughters and make sure, you know, the house is 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 right for when he comes home that y'all can live in harmony. So mm-hmm. it's an even exchange. The barbershop is he's just sitting there and somebody's just taking care of him. Brad, he has know, no responsibilities. Like there's men that's less likely to cheat on their barber than they are to cheat on their girl type shit. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like it's, my husband sure. has had the same barber since he was like yeah. 13. Or that's something. what I, imagine, mean. <laughs> I'm not gonna say that. But just they I mean, no, say it. I'm not gonna say it. Your, your your man is your man or your woman. Women get their hair cut too. Is more apt to cheat or you than they are with their barber or their hair professional. That's facts. That like, they've had. Think about years. the women. Uh, never mind. I, I take it back. I have okay. nothing to say to that. I think that, <laughs> I think that when you find like. But I think that when you find somebody that does something the way that you like it done mm-hmm. and all of those things line up, it's then why would bad. you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Why because would you do that? Because people be getting bad haircuts. Um, right. Yeah. And they still go back to their same but it's, barber. It's, 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 up, it's about relationships. Yeah. It is. And the thing is, a, a, a young man, a man has a relationship with a barber. It may not be me. But he's had a relationship with a barber and a barber shop since he was one or two years old. Right. So when he goes into that situation, he feels more comfortable. Then he, like finds I somebody, one thing. then he finds somebody that just can cut his hair. Yeah. And just love the, the barbershop becomes the family. Yeah. Basically. Right. So I will say one thing. So like I do try to encourage like the men in my life to do things where they are pampered. So like go get a massage. It's like not the same. Go. Yeah. Can I finish? Go ahead. I'm just commenting. Can I, I want finish? The listeners to know. Like to do all of those things where you're in a position to be pam- be pampered. One of the reasons why I think that again barbershops are magical and unique um cuz when I was writing out the questions that's what I put like what what is like why are barbershops magical because it is a place of like camaraderie and community for black men. Mm-hmm. It's not even that though. It's I mean that's true. That, that yeah, that that's this element of it, yeah, but like beyond that, it's a it's a real relationship that you have with your barber. Like I was talking to my barber about my girl and everything, right? Mm-hmm. And it was like, hey, I, hey, hey bro, um, why you say that? Two week, uh, two weeks from now, man, I need some tickets for the Vikings and and, and Lions game. 
Yeah, man. I'll drive. That's that's I'm going to go see you this week. Hey, 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 put that in there. That's Vike, wild. Vikings Lions game. You see this guy? I was talking to him. I was like, bro, you know, remember I told you about it or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And it was like, oh, yeah, yeah. And it's like, bro, like, it's somebody that I have a, we have rapport with. Like, he's seen me go through different stages and phases of my life and everything you see mm-hmm. me like when i first got married i talked to him the first time i talked to him about <laughs> it when i got divorced i talked to him like every <clears throat> single step of the way along with it and then it's not just i mean i get my hair cut inside of his house or whatnot but when you're in the actual barber shop it's not just your barber it's also the barbers that are cutting along with your barber it's the mm. people the regulars that come at the same time that you always come with like it is a a microcosm and if i can go on this list to say it's probably one of the last safe spaces for black men to go to that you know that you i don't want to say you can say whatever you want but you can say whatever, whatever you, you want, want. Yeah. and and like maybe you get chastised for it like maybe you will be like uh this nigga wild and like get him out of it but it it was a honest and genuine expression and whatnot so it, it's a pure space it's a pure type of air you know yep. what i mean no, I'm listening. Nah. And, the, and, and the barbershop. I've only been to the, the barbershop three times. And the, and the barbershop <laughs> is, is one thing, like you said, it's relationships. Mm-hmm. It's built on relationships from the time, relationship and trust. And the thing about the barbershop is there's one thing that barbers can do that no other industry can do. Talk about it. We can touch people. Mm-hmm. You go to, your, if you go to your therapist or you've been to therapy. Mm-hmm. The, the element of touch, being able to connect with somebody like that is different than anything else. There's nowhere yeah. else that due to HIPAA laws and all that good <laughs> stuff that people can't touch you. But when you're going through and you've had a bad day or your relationship ain't right, work ain't right, you just had a bad day and you need somebody just to, you know, you talk to a brother and you ever had somebody just grab you on your shoulders and say it's going to be all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, just have somebody pat you on the back and say, "Bro, I feel you." It's, it's the same reason why when you have like a baby, they put the baby on your chest because well, it's the connection. It's that. It's pers- that. It's, yeah, it's, it's that, that person to person connection. Yeah, so, that skin connection. Yeah, that's, that's and that's a very human experience that you just yeah. talked about right there. Like you strip everything away. Like that's just one human inter- interfacing with another human. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And and the barbershop is a place where you see men, quote unquote, in their feelings. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen a grown man cry just because? Have you ever seen your husband just, have you ever seen your husband cry other than y'all arguing or something like that? Um, Actually, yes. But it took a lot of like. And it wasn't over a death. Yeah, I have. And it took, but it took like, we've been together 12 years. Okay. So it took me literally like being like for like five years, like, hey, if you feel like crying about something, like it's okay. Like I had to create a really safe space for that to happen. That's the thing. And he still does not really like cry all the time. Yeah. Like he don't just be crying every day. No, like, yeah, but I, if, no. if he's like sad about something mm-hmm. and like, you know, like family situations or something like yeah. that, and not someone dying, but just like, you know, um, those interpersonal Anything. relationships yeah. that you care so much about, maybe you see like a breakdown in that mm-hmm. or something. And it's sad. Yeah. Like, I'm gonna cry a about jerker, that quote thing. Unquote, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, he does, but that's not that's rare. <laughs> but you know to be, what I mean? but to be able to engage in a conversation with a client, a customer, somebody you've never had any interaction with, 
So you've had people cry in your chair before. Literally. Wow. I've cried in a barber chair black, before. Black men cry in the barbershop more than you ever know. Wow, I never knew that. Yeah, mm-hmm. because because we're in a space where other individuals understand what we're going through. Mm-hmm. There's not too many spaces where um, individuals know the plight of a black man. Mm-hmm. There's not too many spaces where individuals know the walk, the daily walk of a black man. So the barbershop is is that place and like uh brother Malcolm just said we walk with young men from the time they two we see you when you go to kindergarten and, and you take your, your your first pictures and then when you play on the first baseball team and then your first football team and you you win your first championship you get your first girlfriend you get your, your first car you know we the, all of that the bro. barber is there you decided to tell your barber the, the these bar- things yes the yeah. barber is the barber is the first for everything mm-hmm. and dealing with mental health. Um, I've had an opportunity to work with Ohio state and different agencies and being in those different, um, those different training classes and things like that. Um, you know, they ask you, what do you do? And I say, I'm a barber and, you know, start telling about the barbershop is where men talk. All yeah. the clinical people want to know where African-American males talk. They talk in the barbershop mm-hmm. and start giving them some stories. And they've discovered that barbers are the first responders. No disrespect to the police and the fire. But we're the first responders with mental health. Oh. The first responders with mental health. Because anything happen in a man's life, the first person he's going to talk to is his barber. He's not talking to his mother. He's not talking to his father. He's not talking to his wife. He's not talking to his clergy or his pastor. The first person he's going to is the barber. How many times? So you got a lot of secrets in your hair, said you got a lot of secrets in your hair. Yeah, and see, that's the other thing we talk about is um, like I do a podcast and I did it last week. Barber stylist, are you okay? Because mm-hmm. we take in everybody else's stuff. Yeah, everybody that's a else's lot of mental energy. issues yeah. along with our mental issues and what are we supposed to do with that mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah. We got, it, I, if I was to write a book on the stuff I know I know about murders and infidelities and embezzlements and bank robberies and you name it I believe I've you I've been told it like I believe uh, you bruh I, I, but it was one of those bruh I just wanted to get it off my chest yeah it's like a neutral and they know if it's in the shop and especially if you're in there one-on-one with them that it's not going to leave the shop and that's the trust that that's the trust that's built from that relationship when you're one or two that you can talk to the barbershop talk to the barber and you know that your information is not going out why do you think that that space exists like like what do you as a barber that obviously understands your role in the community like, what do you think makes that role happen, you know? um, Like, how do, how do we get to this? Re- like, my first barber was uh, Mr. Arnez. Yeah. I mean, he's... Mr. Arnez, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. He passed and whatnot. Big Lloyd, yeah. Yeah, and yes, Big Lloyd, he used to come in here, too. You see what I, I'm saying? I, I used to be there. Me and yeah. Lloyd was in school together, yes, sir. When I was in college, he cut my hair. Yeah. Um, but, like, what, like, how do you think that that space even, like, comes to be? Because um, from historically, the barbershop was always the gathering place. So back like in, you know, the civil rights days and um, when they were, you know, fighting against 
oppression and everything. One of the meeting places besides the church was the barbershop. Mm-hmm. So that's where you came to get information that was going on in the community. You want to find out where the meeting is tonight? It's at the barbershop. You want to find out where this is going on? It's at the barbershop. It wasn't at the church. The church is where you went for your faith and going out to fight against oppression and all that good stuff. That's where you rallied your faith at. But when you rallied your people and you rallied your effort, it was at the barbershop. So that's always continued that the black man knows I go to the barbershop and that's my safe space. The barbershop is the corner, the cornerstone of the neighborhood. Mm. Everything happens in the barbershop, good, bad, and ugly. It's, and it's been like that from, from years all the way down from when, you know, back when black men used to, uh, uh, sorry, barbers, which were black used to cut noblemen's hair and the noblemen would come in and tell them what was going on in the community and the mm. government. And it stayed in the barbershop. Mm-hmm. That's way back in, you know, ancient times. The barbershop was always the place to decipher information. So what type of responsibility do you feel as like, you know, cause you got your own barbershop and stuff at this point, like, mm-hmm. like just to, I don't want to curate that space, but like how, like, do you feel a responsibility in making sure that, like this space is safe or that it has like a certain like air about it and all that type of stuff. Yeah. That, that's the one thing is to make the barbershop comfortable mm-hmm. and um, family friendly. Yeah. I remember like, yeah. like I said, I brought my daughter to the barbershop yeah. and when you saw that she was there, it's like, hold up, we got to change the music. Like this yeah, isn't appropriate we, we, for children. We make it, we make the, the barbershop comfortable for everybody. Mm-hmm. Of course, when it's just brothers, we in there being in our rah-rah state, you know, we got DMX on, we, we, we got that music on. But when, you know, the elders come in, we make it more appropriate for the elders. And then when the women come in, you know, it's, it's, it's appropriate for the room. You know how they say, read the room. Mm. We know, mm-hmm. and, and you know, we got the little, we got the 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 sonos, the little music on our phone. So when we see it's all brothers in there, and we in our Bravo, in our in our you know, in our masculinity, and we see grandma coming up with with, with little man, you can see brothers grabbing their phones to change the music because we don't want grandma. You know, we ain't no, we ain't here, rah rah. It's all a respect thing. It's it's all about being respectful so for this l- space. Let me ask you this then. My bad. No, I just I I was gonna just say that I think that it sounds like co- like codes about like respect and stuff still exist. Oh, but like people say those things don't exist anymore, and I'm like, well, it depends on who you're around. Like, exactly. Be, exactly. I was raised still, you know, I was raised in, in this generation, but I was also raised by older folks that taught me to respect elders, yep. and those things still exist. It just depends on where you're at. Yes, yes. And who's upholding them, right? Like, who demands exactly. that, like, yes. this needs to happen? Because all barbershops aren't family-friendly. You That's find facts. some that are just, you know, you find some that are extremely, you know, let's say religious-based. It's always mm-hmm. some religious music on and this, that, and the other. But that's not realism. It's, even though you may be a person of faith, sometimes you, you know, you're not in a faithful mood and you, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you need mm-hmm. somebody to talk to you crazy and get you back to reality. But it's so, just that then you have some that are just totally gutter where, you know, the, the, the barber is cutting with a blunt in his ear and somebody's <laughs> out back smoking weed and over in the corner they shooting dice and, you know, mm. it's just not conducive for positivity. Mm. So, but mine is always, I always, 
always, you know, my dad was in my shop. I was always keeping respectful for my dad and for my mom to come in here. And I'm a girl dad like Malcolm. I always wanted to be where my daughter could come in my barbershop. So it sounds like you were very, like, like you said the word curate, that you were very mindful about like making a space where it seems like people can come and like if they have some heavy going on, like clear their mind. Was your shop always like that? Were you always a barber like that? Because I know you're called like the mental health barber. Like, did, when, did, when did you like know you? When did you know that? Like, was it from the moment you started cutting hair, or was it like after person after person sat in your chair? Did you know that like there was a lot of black men who had nowhere to turn and were struggling mentally? You're a black no. man, so obviously you yeah. know that. But like, when yeah. were you like, okay, this is I'm gonna take this upon myself to be like that guy? Well, um, I'll give you an a, a instance. I was in barber school, and um, I was cutting a young brother, and um, we were just talking about, um, you know, people gambling and people being in church and this, that, and the other, because we were talking about, I think we were talking about going to the casino. Mm -hmm. And the brother that was sitting there, he had his grandson getting cut in the barber next to him. And he was talking about, you guys shouldn't gamble. And the uh, the word said this and the word said that. Like, bruh, you ever play bingo? Mm. You ever played the lottery? That's gambling. Mm. And so we start talking about, well, you got to speak positivity in the people and this, that, and the other. And y'all not doing that. And I said, brother, you know what? You're a preacher and you preach in a pulpit. But this chair right here is my pulpit. I touch more people than you will ever touch. I touch everybody from the, the pimp to you, the preacher. I touch all type of ranges of people. And that's when I realized the power of my chair. Mm -hmm. Either I could speak positivity in the people or I could speak nonsense in the people. And my background in raising, you know, uh, being raised by my by my parents and my grandparents and being installed and still community in me you know my grandmother I, I just started a nonprofit called walking in my blessings mm -hmm. and i got that for my grandmother mm -hmm. you know we go with her and you know them days she was a maid for the white people and mm -hmm. we would go we had to go in the back door and say whites only in the front all that stuff right on the south side of columbus mm -hmm. and you know she would work and i said grandma they didn't pay you she said don't worry about that we get paid by our blessings the lord blesses us and we walk in his blessings Mm -hmm. So it wasn't always about money for me. It was always about making sure I made a positive impact in somebody's life. And then the money will come. Yeah. Because, you know, you can have all the money you want and you can lose that. Mm -hmm. But your blessings and the respect that you've earned from people, that will always remain. Mm -hmm. And that will carry you. So basically, I, I realized it in barber school because I always cut hair. Mm -hmm. But I went to barber school for training. Right. To, you know, learn to how master, to, to yeah. master it. Yeah. And that's where I learned the responsibilities, what barbers had in their chair. You have individuals in your chair and you can mold their life in that 30 minutes, 40 minutes that you have them in their chair. So you have a lot of like kids that come to get their hair cut by you that don't really have like a male figure. And, like mm -hmm. you're the only male figure that they talk to like what weekly or biweekly when they get their yeah. hair cut. All the time. That, that's funny because, yeah, you get young guys, that, you know. Um, especially when I worked in the neighborhood, I used to work um, at Livingston the Miller mm -hmm. in, uh, in the cut right in the hood. Livingston the morning, 
corner. You know, right, grew up over there, right next to the corner store, right next to Donita's. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Right there. Yeah. So, um, man, we would have young guys that's walking the street, this, that, and the other, and you know, you could tell that they didn't have any guidance or any positive role models in a, in their lives. So, you know, we would tell them to come on in. If if y'all feel like y'all about to get in trouble, come on in the shop, and you know, mm-hmm. we'll give y'all something to do. And that's something I've always said in my shop. Young brother, if you feel like you' about to get in trouble, just come in the shop. Mm-hmm. You know, I've always always had video games and things for young men to do. But, bro, you want to sweep up or something? But yeah, anything to keep them from, you know, going out in the streets and doing something st- stupid or, because um, right. you know, I, I don't mind is the devil's workshop and there's so much negativity got on going on that if you don't have some guidance in your life, you can just fall for anything. So that's just, you know. That's how I was, you know, I was raised. And so I had a lot of positive black men in my life. So um, that's just where I get it from to mm-hmm. carry it on. And saying that, like today, I just realized that I think I've got, I'm up to four. Today, I, I cut my man and his son head. And I realized when I'm cutting his son, yo, this is the third generation I'm cutting. Yeah. I used to cut his dad. Mm-hmm. His dad brought him when he was Six or seven. Yeah. So now I'm cutting his son, who is now seven. Right. So I've I've cut three years, three generations of this family. I've right. made a positive impact in this family. So I've got yeah. maybe two of them where I've cut four generations. That's powerful. Do you feel so. a fellowship amongst like other barbers and stuff here in the city? Like, is are you guys like in a, a cohort and whatnot where y'all like trade like? you know tips or like you guys are a support system for each other and all that yeah we do have some where you know we we work together um for so long doing community events free haircut events and you know being in barber school you know being of the same age the same circle and yeah we we do have some and you know have you have different connections with different ones based on personality age yeah. and things mm-hmm. like that so uh yeah we do have a a, a nice um Cohesiveness, but because like you know, we've could, had a lot of conversations. Be better, be like, though. yo, do you know yeah. such and such? You're like, yeah. oh yeah, I know him from yeah. blah 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 or whatever. But yeah, it, it it could be better. Okay, just like with any other industry, and that's like some of the things I try to do to have some of the barber events where barbers come out and talk, and you know, uh, we bring each other's families out because you know. Um, People know me from my daughter Sydney, but they still think of her as being a five year old. Yeah, she's twenty six now. So oh, shit. And then you know, I'm, yeah, because she y'all age range, mm-hmm. right? So, but yeah, it's 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 a nice group of you know barber fun and things like that, and that's just because coming up in barber school, you know, the thing we were taught was respect. You know, you do this, you do that, but at the end of the day, it's we are all respectable. We all respectful of this craft of barber and that we feed our families with. Mm-hmm. So, you right. know, you may not cut the way I do. I may cut faster than you do. You may do this. But at the end of the day, we're feeding our families. So mm-hmm. you, you got to respect what a brother or sister does. Yeah. How did uh, you become the mental health barber? Mental health training. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? Actually, yeah. actually um, running my mouth I always... Get in trouble from running my mouth and doing things. Relatable. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but no, um, years ago, and come to find out, this was like 2012, where uh, we would just have conversations um, in the barbershop. 
and I'd be like, yo, we need some, we need some, some clinical help. We need somebody to, you know, this shit too much, bro. No, 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 it's not. It's too much. It's basically brothers is asking too many questions. We don't have, and we don't have any answers. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because what happens is men come into the shop and they open up. They open up all their troubles, all their pains, and they put it on us barbers, and we're supposed to help them get through it. Yeah. But, and nine times out of ten, you can say, brother, I'm sorry. I'll pray for you. Call me if you it's need It's like, you me. signed like, up to give a fade today. I signed up for you to get a haircut, but I'm helping you with housing. I'm helping you with your relationship. Yeah. I'm helping you with your finance or your car. I'm helping you Legal with Legal problems. And everything. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I'm helping you with everything. So what happened was is um, being with John Gregory, meeting some of the individuals and uh, met the brother Mark White and the Dr. Mark White. And we were talking and I'm like, bro, you know, why don't you come in and, 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 and talk to the brothers in the shop about, you know, um, it was we had a conversation about um, masturbation. Mm. It was funny because we would, because we would, because, yo, that cause, shit just took a left. Because, no, but that's no, what keep okay. going. Like, I'm this what it is. It's, the, the funny thing is, you know, when, when brothers leave out the shop, you know, we say funny things to them. Mm-hmm. And my man Garth would always tell brothers, don't let your meatloaf. <laughs> you know, you I don't even up. know what that means. Huh? It's cool, I mean, though. it sound. I think it means Look, how it sounds. I don't know what it <laughs> sounds like. That's okay. what I'm trying to say. Don't but let, it's cool. lo- let your meatloaf. <laughs> Thank you. But, you know, it's, it's a little joke. So the thing was, we were talking about masturbation. Mm-hmm. And brother was like, no, nah, do that, this, that, and the other. And, and, and Dr. White came in, and he was in the shop. And he was like, no, brothers, you should. No, it wasn't Mark White. It was... Marcus listened to this like, yo, how did I get in? Yeah, no, no, no. But but he ended up being it was another doctor, another black doctor. I don't remember his name, but he he dealt with reflexology. Okay. You know what reflexology is? Yeah, I learned about that when I was like eleven. Yeah, where everything like your foot and everything controls your shoulder and everything. Yeah, your your foot controls your bodily functions and all that. So we were talking about masturbation. We was like, "Ah, no, I don't do that. And doctor came in and said, yes, this is something that men need to do because it's a muscle. And a lot of men that get older end up with erectile dysfunction because you have that muscle that you haven't used in forever. And then you try to use it. Now it don't work. Mm-hmm. So we had that conversation. And I was like, damn, he gave us some education on your reproductive system that we don't know mm-hmm. that he said not do it for pleasure, but do it for to keep your muscle, mm-hmm. to keep your, your muscle good. So, wow. and then from that, it was like, damn, we need to, and then talking to Dr. White, I was like, hey, why don't you come in and talk about some health stuff? Mm-hmm. So, had doctor come in, didn't tell the brothers what was going on, and I just started a conversation about whatever it may be. But it was a directed <laughs> to, at one point, I'm going to say, hey, y'all, I don't got the answers. Barb, we don't got the answers, but I got Dr. White right here and he can tell us how we would handle it medically. Mm. So that's how it happened. So he came in and he jumped in the conversation and we had a conversation back and forth between a medical professional and black men. 
We know that black men don't go to the doctor. So this conversation that we were having was something that was never yeah. done before. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. we go to the dentist, we go to that, but we're not going to the doctor. We're not right. going to a therapist to find out anything mentally in our heads because if anything had to do with mental, you was crazy. Mm -hmm. And nobody wanted to go to the west side to, to the mental house. Right. Mm -hmm. But to have a actual doctor to talk about this come shit in and talk with. about yeah. and give us some real clinical uh some instruction, it was like, oh wow. I think it too helps just like remove shame around things yeah. because when people can share so that like, oh, I'm not the only person I'm who's not going through this. And that's like, what okay. the barbershop is for black men. Mm -hmm. I'm not the only one. Mm -hmm. Like, oh yeah. man, we start having a conversation or you're in the shop and you hear the barber two doors down, two chairs down, him and his client talking about something that you've been thinking about. Like, oh, snap. I ain't the only one. Mm -hmm. And then you join in that conversation because in the barbershop, it's an unwritten rule. If I can hear you, <laughs> I can talk about it. And that's what I was going to get to earlier. If, whatever, if, if I can hear you, mm -hmm. I can talk about it. It's at the Coliseum, mm -hmm. bro, being yeah, in the barbershop. Yeah. Like, yo, every idea, like, fend for itself or whatever. You say it, somebody might hear it. They <laughs> may say good? something about what you had to say. And then all you can do is, like, stand on what you believe in or, like, what you feel. Yep. And then, like, you under the scrutiny of everybody else that's present and yeah. whatnot. So. But, yeah, and, and you know, say it's scrutiny, but a lot of time it's 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 camaraderie and upliftment well i say scrutiny and positively yeah. like okay. i think the yeah. scrutiny like that's a uh like it's iron sharpening iron True. it's like okay. i'm challenging yes, you like yo yes sir i'm asking you questions like yo that don't make no sense to me but so you can does either, accountability it, happen too like does that's, it be like, that's, that's yes. wrong that's yes. what i'm thinking about yes. Yes. okay i think yes yes, yes. Okay. it's like yo that's i can what he's ask you about. yo what does that mean bro yeah. you saying that that shit don't <laughs> ride with me what are you talking about and like now you got <laughs> yes. fight or flight type thing it's like nah this is the reason why dialogue exactly and if you can't defend some shit how do you know you really believe it and what happened and what happens in the barbershop you have a dynamic that doesn't happen anywhere else talk about it you have a younger generation you got the teenagers I'm so glad you said this then you got the 20 question. somethings yeah. then you got the 30 somethings then you got me being 52 mm. so how do you 29 how do you if you're 35 like 35 so to me you're my daughter's age you were, you were in high school with my daughter so we're on maybe yeah, <laughs> she's twenty six. You're twenty nine. That's three years. So now, that means I'm about to turn thirty, though. So the, 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 that's still have, four you years. Yeah, yeah, you were yeah, you were a senior. Yeah, she was a freshman. Yeah. Y'all still in the same. Yeah, so, nah, she's but, invisible. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's just and in our community, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. Is the generation talking generational gap between yeah. the communication? You know, yeah. and, 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 and that's what and, I was going to say to you. That that. That dynamic is just crushed because you get the OG and then you'll get the dad and then you'll get the son. So you've got three generations. you got three outlooks on one situation. And everybody has a seat, too, to talk about, yo, your word is just as valid as mine. Yes. I can tell you where I'm coming from. And like that's before we started recording, I was uh, giving you like flowers and whatnot. Just yeah. talking about like you're older. You're older than I am. You said, yeah. but I felt. The first time that I heard you talk, or maybe it was the third or fourth time I heard you talk, <laughs> yeah. I was like, yo, hit, 
he's clearly done a lot of work in terms of just like just evolution he doesn't talk like other 50 year old men like yeah like he's literally he's worked through some things or whatever or he but like i've yeah, been connected be tripping sometimes but i've been con- <laughs> but i've i've been a barber i'm constantly connected to the community mm-hmm. so that's the question i'm I constantly ask connected you. on what's going on and what's changing and how you have know. you seen an evolution in the barbershop in far as like I mean uh, even just like socially like have you seen like progression in the way that like the people that come to the barbershop think and talk and like the, the, their understanding of the world around them the it's not the people that have changed mm-hmm. but the technology has changed what does that mean so the information that we so the information that Information is rarely at your hand right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When I've started, okay, just just an example. If we're having a, a debate on who's the best in a sport and has the most yards or whatever. You pull up the stats before, right on your phone. 15 years ago, you just going off of what you thought. Such and such got more yards in this year. Mm-hmm. They got more championships. But now you start that conversation. It's somebody over Google. here with their phone talking about, hey, Google, who got the most championships? <laughs> So like so I'll the give technology the, the 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 technology driven conversations. I'm gonna give a very being, specific yeah. example, and this is something like that I remember that this made me look at you even differently because it was something that you said unprovoked and whatnot. It was talking about like growing up for me, homophobia was like a huge thing like out in the community and whatnot. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? Like it was everywhere, everywhere that you went and whatnot. And like you, I remember you said it. It was in either in a meeting or in the hallway. And it's like, yo, like we gotta like stop and just look at, you know, like just because somebody has like these preferences, that's not any different than yours and whatnot. You're not supposed to treat them any differently. And I had never heard somebody fifty plus say something <laughs> like that. Yeah, and oh, what was the conversation? But based in how you treat someone. Because of who they sleep with, it's not right. That's facts. I don't. I. I don't care. When we leave here, I don't care who you sleep with. Mm-hmm. I respect you as the black man that I've seen you be. I respect you as the father that I've seen you to be. I, I respect you as the worker. You know your work ethic. I respect. Some you people say I don't work, but you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know. I, I. I respect people for who they are. And not what they do. Mm-hmm. Okay, no. as far as as far as the sexuality thing, but if you're an asshole, you just have bad character. Hey, I'm not messing with you. But yeah, no, I wasn't going to comment on that part. Yeah, but so. I, I I have heard a thread of like there being a very clear juxtaposition between like church and like the barbershop. And that's a good. I think yeah, that I like, like that. there is. A situation there right that like i think a lot a lot of us as black people have been raised in the church Mm -hmm. and so i think the idea of like men at your age like this idea of like i have to judge somebody based on who they sleep with because this is what i was taught in church is like something that they're still like carrying as like an ideology and it seems like you've moved past that and said actually that doesn't have anything to do with me and and see here's the thing (laughs) when you do that it depends on what church you go to. Mm-hmm. It does. Now, 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 if you now if you deal with Catholicism and and you're a Roman Catholic, 
they're they're it's based off of sexuality. She even if you're not a Roman Catholic. But, I mean, but yeah, yeah, but it's based off of sexuality. Well, and even and now the, there yeah. are some churches that are more inclusive yeah. of people, but I, but but sometimes I still hear the messaging of well, this is what the Bible says about this thing. Yeah. And so I think that like that when we're talking about generational gaps, like yeah. I think our generation and the generation behind us is less concerned with like stuff like that. Yeah, and and see, that's what like that, I was asking, like the evolution. But I think yeah. that you answered that well when you said that everybody inside the barbershop has equal standing. Like yeah. everybody can present as themselves. And like, bro, when you got the floor, I mean, you have to command the room, though. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. Some like people, you can't be some, timid. Yeah. And like, yo, niggas is going to overtalk you or whatever. But, but, but that's where you learn. The barbershop is where you learn that courage to stand up and stand on your statement and on your principles. That's facts. Because you may come in, start at that little timid guy, but in three, four years, you know, you're, you're controlling the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you learn and grow in the barbershop. And yeah, the whole, that whole sexuality thing, that's, I'm going to leave it alone. That's just crazy. Basing people off how they use their reproductive systems. What? What gaps do you feel like are are still out there when it comes to black men and spaces for black men? Um, that's a good one. Because like, what do you yeah, wish? Asking, what do you wish existed? You know what, I mean? what do you wish existed that does not exist, or is hard to like access? It, it's 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 hard for me because I see that in the barbershop. I get to see men being open and vulnerable and talking mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so I just wish there was more spaces like that yeah okay but being you know people say black men don't do this and black men don't do that but I work in a space where black men do all the things that society say we don't do that's facts yeah. that's part of the reason why men don't well, do this men don't like, do this with their kids men don't the do that men doing... don't do that but no, men do that in the barbershop. They do that in the space where they feel safe. They build. They do that in the space where they feel supported. And when I, I hear the stuff why like we that, did this season of Columbus can't wait is because of the belief that this doesn't exist. You yes. know what I mean, it's like, bro, black people exist outside the black church. I mean, I was raised in a black church. Tariq was raised in a black church. We like, was raised, yeah. raised, like, like raised. no, like raised, raised. <laughs> no, like, okay, you know no, my no, no, no. My uncle no. owns a church. You see no, what yeah, I was raised, raised. Where yeah. my, where, where my we grandmother is a deaconess, and, and you, sister, Moma's grandson. Yeah, and it's like this. Yeah, like, and, and for me, I couldn't be the wild out kid mm-hmm. because everybody knew my grandparents. And yeah, I was, same and, thing. And I was raised to. I didn't want to tarnish the moment name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't want to be that one. So here's what I had to do. <laughs> you know, you got the, the, the two sides of your family. You got your grandparents. My 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 granny, moment, she's the good, clean, wholesome deaconess <laughs> in the church. She don't cuss. She don't do this. Boom. So then I had my grandmother, my grandmother Johnson, who was an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. So my grandmothers were on two totally different <laughs> you in the spectrums. Yeah. So you know w- w- when I wanted the good praise and all that stuff, and you know I still live in the house where my where I was with, with my grandmother. Mm-hmm. So, but if I wanted to wild out and go kick it and chase girls and drink and do all that, I go up north. Mm-hmm. South, anything south and east, 
I couldn't do nothing because everybody knew who I was. Yeah. Up north, nobody. So it was just the whole respect thing on, you know, you can know what you can do. But yeah, it, my whole, the whole family structure thing was just where I didn't want to do anything to tarnish my grandmother, grandfather's name. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this question thing. about the space that you have right now. Or oh, my bad. Before I ask that, did you have something that you want to ask about that? Because it's going to be a little bit of a left. <laughs> no, I just, I think the duality is good, like good actually is that like having both, having two different sides. Like I only really interact with one side yeah. of my, I was only raised by one side of my family who okay. were very religious. Yes. And, and um, <laughs> there was just, you know, there was just, we were just expected to act a certain way and be a certain way. Mm-hmm. And I always wonder like, how would I have been different had I been more exposed to my dad's side of the family and kind of like what their norms uh-huh. and you know what, how the way that they saw life, maybe how I would have been different had I been able to experience like both of those things. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing that nobody ever talks about, like why it is important like for your kids to know both sides of their family for like people to like co-parent, right? If you're not yeah. together, like all yeah. of that because Don't get me started. this helps to like shape. I know some people have have folks in their family that are toxic and you just don't want your kids <laughs> yeah. around these people, period. Yes. But like if everyone is like fairly like, you know, healthy, like how does this help shape it does, it does. a more well-rounded and was child? Some, and I understand what you're saying so that was something that raising my daughter i wanted her to be well-rounded mm-hmm. and you know when you say i'm gonna have my daughter I'm, I'm gonna show her this i'm gonna show her that i'm gonna show her that but then you're like oh no i'm not gonna do that but the thing is with the family structure with my side of the family being more calm and you know uh more of a family unit you mm-hmm. know my parents was married my parents were still married up to my my dad passing so my daughter got to see that. Mm, but right. then on her mother's side, it was divorce and, you know, uh, chaos. You know, me and my brother, we both Eagle Scouts. We're both doing, I guess mm-hmm. people say the good stuff. But mm-hmm. then on her other family side, her other uncles, they were, you know, alcoholics and in jail and domestic violence. So all the negative stuff that, you know, you kind of want to keep your kids away from. She saw it in her family. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And see, that was so how my, my dad's see, side of the family was. Yes. And I never, I So didn't. she got to see where her dad, her uncle, and her grandfather, like, I do dishes, I cook, you know, we do, you know, we do all the stuff. It ain't the, oh, no, you wash dishes? Yes, I clean windows, yeah. I cook, I do all that stuff. Like, my daughter never left my presence going to school or whatever without a hot meal. Mm-hmm. Mm. But on the other side of her family, her uncles is in jail. Her uncles is doing this. So she got to see two dynamics of black men. Mm. So she got to see, yeah, okay, I can be like this or I can be like that. So Mm. that's why I say if a brother come to my daughter, he got to be a strong one because dad, uncle and grandpa, they do this. And I've seen this from my other uncle. So it ain't too much you can tell me. I know both sides. Right. Yeah. So, so, so obviously, like, you're a man of the community. Like, you're, you got, like, roots and stuff in the community. By force. But yeah. Do you <laughs> ever feel like politicians come to, like, your shop, like, trying to woo voters slash customers? That's and, what they're supposed to do. Yeah. So, like, how do, yeah. that's right about to ask. How do you feel yeah. about it? Um, Your hand over there. Oh. Now you can. With, with the barbershop being open and honest 
Um, you know, there's going to be political views on both sides. Yeah, I have, as I, we've seen on this podcast. Yeah, the, the, yeah. the political views on both sides. So I, I, I've got, let's say, I've got some clients that are Trumpsters and some that are on the uh, on the Biden side. You got black Trumpsters? Uh, black Trumpsters. It's wild. They exist. Like, people yeah, don't they do. They, they exist. Oh, yes. See, but, oh, yes. and, and, and see what people... Okay. Hey, JK, I just, I'm just kidding. We ain't got yeah. to. <laughs> hey, no. But no. Um, He's and, like, I don't want, <laughs> what are you about to tell me? <laughs> and, uh, and a lot of, and, and because, and why is that? Because individuals like myself who are entrepreneurs, self-employed, the financial views of the Republican Party are more beneficial to me. Now, we're not talking mm -hmm. about the Republican Party. We're talking about Trump's. It's no, a no, but, well, well, it's a difference. Yeah, yeah true. Okay, I'm sorry. But <laughs> yeah. yes, I do know right. some, some some black Trumpsters. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And you yeah. like, like, how? Bro, bro? Uh, okay. And, 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 and you have to, you have to learn, okay, like in hip hop, you're an MC. So you control the room. You control what's going on. When you're a barber, you control the conversation a lot of times. So you know when we have individuals like that, we are not doing the politics because they about to go to the way other side. So we're not going to talk and, about boosting. And people <laughs> probably start to get mad too, especially all, with Trump. Oh, people have, hey, have very strong had, feelings we, about him. We've had some very... Um, like Mortal very Kombat. Very spirited... <laughs> we've had some very spirited... Conversations about the Trump thing, and it's just been crazy. But here's the thing about the barbershop at the end of the conversation, at the end of the camp, everybody respects each other and they walk out the door. And that's how it should be. Mm -hmm. It's not where, you know, because I believe in what this person say, or I believe in this, that we're about to come to, you know, battle over this that we're going to cause each other bodily harm and that the people that we're talking about they're not even concerned about that we're killing each other mm -hmm. you might call him a nut ass nigga but you're not gonna like he's still a human at the yeah, end of the day yeah. so you're gonna respect him man, as man, a how, you, how you say that with your dumb ass but at yeah. the end of the day you're you know yeah you're still respectful of other people. he might be like views. yo that nigga be on some wild ass shit yeah, like, so, but yeah, you, still, you're respectful yeah. of, of other people's views because mm -hmm. just like fandom just like you know, I'm a Vikings fan. People, he's a Browns fan. People, Steelers fan. People arguing and fighting You're over something. You don't talk about something. the Steelers fans, bro. Like, but, fuck them niggas. <laughs> see? See? Hey, we're like Michigan fans in Ohio. Yeah, but I don't like, yeah, <laughs> like this week, it's rivalry week, right? Right. So people are going, grown adults <laughs> are going bananas over some teenagers. That's wild. Mm, that yeah, are playing on the field that has nothing to do with the income or what you're going to do tomorrow. Hey, bro, yeah. we got to go to a Vikings Lions game, bro. Like, I'm excited about that. I want to go next weekend. I'm going to. I'm <laughs> going to a game on Thursday. I'm going for Thanksgiving. No, the one after that. No, so. I'm taking my daughter. It's going to be her first NFL game. We're watching the uh, Lions and the Bears. Yeah. Oh yeah, Thanksgiving. Yeah. yeah. But like, I I don't. Y'all, I'm sorry. I don't. What? I don't really engage with football like that. I but think it's I, a Fan. I, I mean, I'm a Browns fan by virtue of like being from that area, <laughs> yeah, not like because yeah. I watch. Right, so, um, so what is it? What, no, what, what do you like? Um, no, I was I was more curious about like the whole politician thing. Like, mm -hmm. like do you do you see politicians like do, are they? Are they like constantly coming there or is it like around election time then they start showing up trying to get people? Well, well you know, to, it's, it's around. It's yeah. The, okay. 
do you see genuine interactions happening there that are like sustained interactions? Yes, and I'll, I'll give an example of the the city council people right here in Reynoldsburg. Okay. Um. Um. Specifically, um, Councilwoman Meredith Rowe. Mm-hmm. She constantly comes by the barbershop. We're actually mm-hmm. friends. Mm-hmm. Um. She comes by and checks on us and mm-hmm. you know seeing how we're doing and like yesterday they were giving away free turkeys yeah and she called me like hey y'all need some turkeys at the barbershop so yes there are some politicians that are genuinely concerned about the community and they know the power of the barbershop but then you have other ones that only come around during election time or mm-hmm. campaign time mm-hmm. and then you don't see them anymore have you seen um, people's like political views sway like through like of you know like a discussion at the barbershop that somebody like thought one thing and then the discussion happened and then they said you know what I'm actually gonna vote this way or I'm actually gonna do this thing or I, or like it's hell education. I might vote like I I I I decide I I haven't ever voted but now I'm about to go vote yes um. Say that because yes, that's one thing I did in my barbershop mm-hmm. was have was has voter registration days mm-hmm. to get individuals uh, registered to vote. Because mm-hmm. you know that's one thing we say is if you're not registered to vote, if you don't cast a vote, you really don't have a voice. Mm-hmm. So how are you gonna be in here in the barbershop talking shit and you don't even vote? <laughs> you talking about you talking about what the police don't do in this, but you've never voted for. A city council person, you've never voted on a levy, you never voted on anything, but you want to talk about how you're being governed or how you, the laws are going, but you've never expressed your opinion except for sitting in the barbershop talking shit. Have you ever heard like somebody in your barbershop like like mount a good argument as to why they don't vote? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it's it's crazy when you when someone does sit down and talk to you and they're like, these are the reasons why I don't. And you're like, OK, I like there's extremes. Can, yeah, there's extreme situations for everything. Mm-hmm. There's personal situations for everything. So yeah, I've I've have have heard that. So and some people ugh. feel you know some people I think are at that point like even now you know with um, the current administration I think people are really um, disillusioned. Mm-hmm. They feel like we gonna. Have I, to I can even talk about myself personally. We I just I feel like what's going on like. I, I know what's going on, right? Because I'm educated on this stuff. I, I obviously we have this, so I need to be like well versed on what's mm-hmm. happening. But it just feels like all of the things that were like um, put on the table as far as like the budget, as far as like all of these changes that they were <laughs> going to try to make. It's like they didn't even. Some of these things were taken off the table before they even got to argue about it, right? Like before they even got to start debating and arguing about this stuff. Upcoming episode of Columbus Can't Wait, we're gonna have to talk about what the Biden administration is doing. We're gonna bring. (laughs) We're gonna have to talk about Kamala too as well. And see, we'll talk about what. What people don't realize is these politicians. They say things, Mm -hmm. but they really can't do them right without you know without the help of. So if you're a Democrat and you don't have a Democrat administration, it's hard to get some of your ideas across. Mm -hmm. Or if you don't have ideas that encompass both parties, it's kind of hard to get those over. So that's why people say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. When ideally they mean I'm going to do this if I have a team 
with my like-minded self. But that's on what, the same that, page, this is what I'm going to yeah. do. But yeah. that's why we have this podcast because yeah. we want people to understand that just because somebody is telling you that they're going to do this thing, it, it, it doesn't happen. If, if everything works comes, out the way I want it to work out, then this is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of times they don't have the power. They, they don't have the absolute power to make those things happen. Yeah. That's like people yeah. like, oh, Obama didn't help black people do this. Did, you, like, did, did you, you really <laughs> think that he was about to be able to go in and say, hey, this is only for black people? No, he had to do this. Y'all didn't want Trump to but, have absolute power. And and that's, then, and, but then there were some things that would have helped. But Trump did the, some the, shit the, that the Obama could have did and he, Obama didn't do it for reasons yeah. that I understand. Like, it makes sense politically. Uh, like, not abu- yeah. and not abusing, like, your Right, but your I'm position. saying, like, going in, like, all right, I'm going to just hold that. But you <laughs> see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. there's things that Obama could have did. conversation. But it's like the logic behind going and doing that type of thing, it doesn't make any sense. Like, why would anybody in his position do that? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, he, I think he did all of us a favor by being somebody that was... Um, very like even killed in terms of the way that he like all of us well i i think when you when you compare those two together and just if you're just talking about like leadership skills and how they kind of like logically like he was the type of leader that we want all of our leaders to be he was presidential like he was he he led from that and diplomatic diplomatic, and so now we find ourselves in all of these situations where like our diplomacy but i think that biden's been very diplomatic though i think biden i I think this is a whole we're gonna talk about it we don't even have time to talk about it yeah that's a whole different situation we're gonna bring uh we're gonna bring some 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 experts on to like kind of just discuss all that yeah because that's, that's, that's the whole yeah, so different look forward situation because you got biden and then you got harris and if if harris speaks out she's being too assertive but if she doesn't speak out she's being too submissive to the president so yeah there's rumblings about there okay but do y'all think that biden brought her on because he know he's not going to be able to make the whole thing and he wants you know wants somebody else of like mine like that or I think all these old people we got one thing we got to do is get all these old people out of these right, offices like why are you with these old ancient ideologies right holding on to stuff that is no longer that's no longer like suits us as a society in the way that we move as a society but i think that biden um i think that obviously from a strategic standpoint for to win that you know that black vote that like 90 some percent of like black women voting um they thought strategically like they should have you know kamala in that seat but from what i've read this is all from you know they say that we talked to a source that um she is not being outfitted with the kinds of like assignments and material to really like um position herself as a a resume yeah and then and then to like go and run in um 2024 so now there's this conversation around okay well should she be the person that gets the nomination because you know they know from the jump who we want to get the nomination all these people can come into the pool but this is the person that we want so now i'm hearing that 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 now that's kind of like oh that's that's up for debate right they might not be her because everybody didn't want her 
Well, well, that's Still. that's true. Right from day but one, I think everybody, if that, everybody didn't want her. But I think that if that's if that was like their strategy, then why not put her in a position to have like a successful, visible, you know why vice presidential run? Well, I obviously know why. But <laughs> yeah. I, will, I will say this. And then, <laughs> why would they I will, do that? I will so say, why did they use her? I will say <laughs> right. I know why, but I will and say for this. Our getting to the reason why is because she's black and she's a woman. Like just. To be clear. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Um, but I also, I have fears about, um, I, I mean, all, I do have fears about there being a, a possibility of like Trump being president again in 2024. Like I, 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 I wonder, yeah, I would not be surprised if, can I just say for the record right now, it's November, 2021. Now, if Trump <laughs> becomes president again, I think that this is a safe and responsible thing to say. Like, I'm I'm preparing myself now in 2021. The world's not over. Like, there's still there's still hope. Like, moving forward and shit. So, I just want to put that out there. That if that were to come to pass, 2024, that it's not doom and gloom and the world's over. Everything. Mm, I don't think it's doom and gloom because nobody can, not one person can end the world. But yeah, I think, I think, I think rougher. socially and culturally, where we're standing that's as it. like we're so divided. Socially, and I worry yeah. about that part of it. I feel like, like we're already there, though. and the problem that I got, we with can that, go even further. Yeah. The problem that I have is that the opposition of Trump, like they think that they can just go and. And put him up and say, yo, you don't want that guy in office and everything, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And that's good enough. That's enough of a campaign. Like, nah, bro. Like, you got to come with more than that. And I like, agree bro, with you. Black people have survived through everything that the world can possibly throw at us and everything. And we will continue to survive. But... I, I just like these gun laws, like, these open carry a, laws, no, these, no, voter, this is not these a, voter restriction a of, laws, all no, this no, stuff no, is is no, it's, no, it's not an su- in game type thing. Is no, what I'm we, to no, say. no, no. Were y'all surprised that the Rittenhouse guy got off? We're surprised? No. Come on, man. We're, when, okay, <laughs> we're black when, in America. When, no, Come when, on, nah. when, when when the president said I could walk down the street and kill somebody and not go to jail for it. Do you remember when Trump was running for office and he literally said yes, that? Yes, he absolutely said And that just what happened. The guy, he was walking down the street, killed two people. I knew I when, I, when, I, when, I, when I saw I that, when I saw that jury makeup. Yeah, it wasn't even. I'm just I talking knew. about the fact that Trump said that. I didn't even yeah. think it was a jury for real. Like I, It was the judge. It, it wasn't the judge either. It, it wasn't to me. Well, the jury a, has to be the person that yeah, the jury is the people that calls the, the case and the jury bro. I think it, before you even got into the courtroom it's a prosecutor bro I don't think the prosecutor really wanted him to go to jail like I don't think that he put forward the right type of case to send him to jail well, if he did they, they, they wouldn't have put they, murder charges on him no they tried but the 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 judge the, the, the judge tied no, their hands they, so much they bro. didn't crazy. put unlawful possession of a firearm on him bro like because that was the most convictable charge that he had like if we're being real just looking at the evidence and all the circumstances around it the most convictable charge that he had on him they didn't even bring it to the the table you know why because because the because the judge no it's before the judge the, the judge took it out no that was before yeah. the judge yeah but that was one of the charges that they couldn't have no, they could have had that yeah. one. They just at the end of the day, he had was, a better he had a better defense that yeah. was that was malleable and 
um, mm-hmm. and seemed like it made sense to a most. I, the, was the whole jury right? I don't think it's about that though. Yeah. I mean, it is though. It, like it, it is. It is ultimately they're about the that because they're that, the ones that make the decision. The that made that decision. That's why they put him up there crying and shit because yeah, was that was crazy. all orchestrated because they wanted people to see their kids. But in this, it wasn't in this. a race thing though for this one. Like in my opinion, I don't yeah. think a white boy killed a black boy. He didn't kill no black people. He killed some white people in yeah. the name of white supremacy. He killed white people. The proud boys. Yeah. They killed white so, people. So I mean, he. Like, he, right, yeah, he but did, it but... The, it's, it's in the name of... He came there... Uh, yeah. yeah. Yes, he, he came white there people, to... Bro, that's he what I'm trying to say. And the, I'm not saying that... I'm, again, but these white don't people, put, these I'm white people were, were, were fighting like for the cause of a joke. black person. They were he, fighting for the cause of a black person. And historically, he we've seen what happens when that happens, right? Bringing a gun to the scene and stuff in the first place. But like, he shouldn't have even been there. Okay, let's go farther than that. What about his mom that drove him from yeah, another state? Yeah, she should be culpable for some yeah, shit, too. Exactly. He's an underage. Yeah, she absolutely should yeah. be culpable. Outside of, and that's what I'm saying. But at the end but of the day... But they didn't bring the, those charges, though. They didn't bring nothing to the mom. He, he couldn't be persecu- uh, prosecuted for some shit that he wasn't charged with. I think you have a point, but I also think that with the charges that... that this, I mean, this is just this is just how it is. If, Bruh, if your defense a, mounts a better defense... Say it on that this is, podcast. That is... I got some thoughts, though. Bro, DM yeah. me on Twitter at keith underscore K-E-S, <laughs> Listen, bro, I will say it. though that, that he 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 killed white people in the name, and they and they were there defending. You know, he but, said afterwards that he was like pro Black Lives Matter. That's, I saw him on Tucker Carlson's show saying that. So anything that gets said yeah. on Tucker Carlson's yeah. show, Tucker I'm not. Was, took it back by it though. He wasn't but expecting it, but, that shit. But you you know yeah. how Tucker thinks. Bro. Yeah. Tucker is and a for the record, scourge of Tucker society. Yeah. Yeah. The I, I thought you, I thought you nah. for a second about to try to defend him. Nah. But no, I'm not okay. on defense. <laughs> yeah. I was right about to say, dude. Like, let's, let's that be clear. That's where I stand on this shit. I am not in defense. Like that nigga should be in jail. Tucker, bro. Yeah, that nigga should be in hell, bro. <laughs> Jill and hell. God forgive me. Because he is. But he is like a problem, right? Like he is the person that is infusing folks mind, the, in the media that is infusing folks' he, mind with these ideas. He's even he more just, guilty than college to me. He Tucker's. Did, I would, I would, I think you could argue something like yeah. that because this is a, this is a, whether he, whether we like it or not, this is the young, impressionable person, right? Bruh. Who got these ideas You're talking about young from people somewhere. And shit. Yeah. Who got these ideas from somewhere and it wasn't just his parents. Hey, and I'm gonna be like he really got honest with you. His y'all. ideas propped up. Last summer. Last summer. I know we about to close out the podcast. Last summer when all this shit was happening here in Columbus or whatever. Mm-hmm. I was on Twitter, I was talking to my nigga Darius or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we was like, yo, these niggas like, all right, that's cool. Niggas better not go nowhere near Upper Cup. And then some of us like, yo, let's go down there right now or whatever to like stand guard in front mm-hmm. of me. Like they're not going to touch ours type shit. This is after Soul Classics got Rampage yeah. and whatnot. And just looking back on it, I mean, we did it. And Upper Cup is cool. I had a drink from it earlier today. You know yeah. what I mean? But looking back on it, it's like, bro, we was all just civilians, like thinking about like that space that we wanted to protect because that's something we cared about, or whatever. Because yeah. something that mattered to our community and whatnot. That's all I'm gonna say about it. Yeah, that's crazy. You went from there. That's bro, not the I, point. That's not the point. Okay, <laughs> I I will say this though. I would caution anybody that they that because of, like these gun laws and these self defense laws, like. 
It's different, bro. This it's different out here because hey. he he literally killed two people and then was like, yeah, well, I was defending myself and got off. So if I you don't see think that, it's that simple. Like just for the record, like just to keep it very transparent in the buck. And I don't want to get into a conversation because I don't want to be put in a position where it looks like I'm defending bro because I'm not. I don't think it's that simple. But what I will say is, on the record, I think that black people need to start forming more militias. That's it. <laughs> That that I think that that used to be a um, safer concept, yeah. but now there there laws said, on the table. They said we losing recipes, bro. Like look at what the the Panthers did over in Oakland for real, like for real, like not like what they really did. You see what I'm saying? And a lot of them are dead. <laughs> I'm just I'm just being real. Like I'm I want people when because they're thinking, when they're having that conversation. Um, that's I want people point. to understand like what the stakes are like literally people literally again with these self-defense laws and gun laws that have that are changing and have changed you mm-hmm. know at, at 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 one point you couldn't just open carry a weapon as you can you know, though, a, no. a, a, but you've always here's the thing you've always been able to open carry in Ohio You've always been able to open. Concealed just means to put it up under your shirt. But here's the thing, though. With your open carry, you would cause panic and, and mayhem because you had a gun on your head. Yeah. That's, but you've always been able to Not open carry. But, but now, here in Ohio, pe- yes. but now I mean, people are starting to see that more. Now people are starting to see that. Like the stand your ground law yeah. and all that type of shit. But it's a little it, different. This is more, yeah, because yeah, some years ago before the whole CCW thing here in Ohio, uh, we went to Indianapolis for the Circle City Classic. Mm-hmm. And after the party, me and my man, we was, you know, we went in Burger King, was getting something. And so we standing there, you know how Burger King was made, they had the, the line, so you came through the line. And we're standing right in the front about to order. Mm-hmm. And this this probably at least 15 years ago, maybe longer than that. And we standing there about to order, and these two brothers walk in with guns on their hips. I'm from Columbus, Ohio. Brothers walk in the spot with some guns, some things about to go down. Mm-hmm. So I said, bruh, we out of here. <laughs> we spun, and we walked out and we left. And it was a thing like, they was like, and, and the people was, uh, the we were really there, really about to order. Mm-hmm. And she was like, y'all not going to order? I said, y'all see these dudes in here with these guns? But oh, it's it's uh, more of but, a but, oh that's normal here. Yeah. I'm from Columbus, Ohio, and brothers walking Absolutely. in with guns, something's about to go down. And, and that's me what and him, I mean. We left out. That's what I mean. That this like, is going to be more no. of a commonplace yeah. like These thing that you see. That's the reason why we need to be more mm-hmm. proactive and educated about all of this shit. Mm-hmm. Oh, and absolutely. We ain't got enough to talk, like that has to be like an episode to talk about gun laws and everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, t- I like, texted you the other to... day and said that. I think we absolutely should See, have but these are conversations that. that we have in the barbershop every day. Mm-hmm. Something like this. Because it's different. Kyle Rittenhouse open carrying the AR-15 is different than Dante open carrying. And yeah. we saw that. Th- that literally happened to come up as a kid got arrested at a protest for yeah. doing that. And he didn't yeah. shoot anybody. Yeah, but they that, they, they, they the said, difference. oh, let's search your car. Oh, we found yeah. stuff in your car. Yeah. And, 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 here, and here's the difference. There's a difference between a white barbershop and a black barbershop. Oh, that's, that's fucking facts, bro. I should have told this yeah. story on this podcast, bro, about the time I got my hair cut at a white barbershop. Yeah, it's totally. I'm curious yeah. about why that it's, happened, it's, but it's I totally different. No. Oh my god, bro! No. I, I, 
Yeah, I had a hat on. Like it was, <laughs> it was all bad. Man. Yeah, just I had a court whole... case down in Lancaster. I want to say, mm-hmm. and I had to get back to Columbus yeah. for like an award ceremony. And I stopped at uh in Lancaster. Don't worry about it. I stopped at uh, <laughs> Lanc- You was in Lancaster. You <laughs> was in Lancaster. <laughs> Lancaster. Uh, what's the the, the Lancaster. chain? The barbershop chain. Best cut? Uh, what you at? Super cuts? Yeah, at? super Oh my god. Yeah. Fiesta, Fiesta, super Bruh, I cuts. I said, yo, can y'all cut? Can y'all give me a fade? No. And she was like, yeah. And then she brought out scissors. I was like, oh, this is going to go bad, bro. This is going to go bad. <laughs> <laughs> you should have got it right then and there. Yeah. Oh my yeah, God. It's, it's, it was, I should have cut my whole shit off, bro. You should have just cut it all the way off. Yeah. But I yeah, been far better off as, with the body. Far as the demeanor, the conversation, all that is totally different in the black barbershop. That's right. Yeah. I would have. Hey, but they didn't give you wine that. and shit at the white barbershop, so bro. Like, I that, feel like y'all kind of got to step y'all game up. Bro. <laughs> that's though. That's that's at the uh. That that's just at the quote unquote the upscale barbershop salons. You see, but but here's the thing. We don't want to be responsible for you getting drunk in the barbershop <laughs> and then going to have an accident. That's real. Or going and, and doing some other shit because you and your feelings when you laugh. Don't get it twisted. There is a barber or two that might have a little fit for Hennessy up under his thing. Yeah. So yeah. don't get, yeah, a little I'm Hennessy. I'm in a cabinet, bro. Like, <laughs> hey, no, we don't drink <laughs> wine in the barbershop. You drink wine in the salon. I drink wine everywhere, bro. I love wine. Go with your fiance so y'all can have a glass of wine. Yeah. On some real, like, I appreciate you coming on to the podcast and when no people want to like check out where your podcast is or how In to your follow you on shop. social media how to book a cut with uh, Chavez I've been cut yeah. a couple times by Chavez I think you really do a good ass job bro like yes thank you sir thank yeah. you how can we trust you after you said you went to Supercuts <laughs> that's crazy Listen, like what is your I've social seen, media so people can see your I've work because this guy was Supercuts I know <laughs> don't trust like him and I was like <laughs> he has locks now that's crazy <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Yo, you <laughs> and you TV? said that with the locks. This is my co-host, bro. Like, this is my uh, family. Uh, my, I, I literally did blood. not tell you to share that story, man. Like, you said, I, I'm curious. I, oh, I'm dying to hear about Chavez, it. Chavez, right, yeah, where funny. can people find you in your work <laughs> so that they can take your word for it and not uh, <laughs> Okay, social media. <laughs> <Fuck> you, <Therese>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my name is Chavez Moment, C-H-E-V-E-Z. M O M A N, and you can find me on Facebook under that. Um, you can book appointments at my name, ChavezMoment.com, www.ChavezMoment.com. Uh, Instagram is Barberzone614, B A R B E R Z O N E 614. I picked that name because when you're the, the Barberzone, <laughs> when you when you perform at your highest peak, your maximum potential. What do they say? You're in, in the zone. zone. He's yeah. in the zone. He's in fuego. He's in the zone. zone. zone so zone. when you come in the barbershop, when them clippers come on, the yeah. only thing that matters is that person in the chair, and you're at your highest. So you're in the barber zone. Mm-hmm. So that's the name of my shop. Um, if you want to check out my podcast, podcast is in the barber zone. Just search it on any of the podcast platforms. Um, you can find my my show at barberzoneradio.com or barberzonepodcast.com so all right we we appreciate you man thank you so much for everything you do on the community man I like talking to the young people the young people man (laughs) the young fucks I'm fake young you fake you said something that's great I am 
I like people really be thinking I'm younger than I am. Facts, but I'm bro. like, you're just not looking. Close I thought enough. I was you don't see you. my gray baby hairs. They starting. Oh, she got a gray. It baby was COVID. Hairs. I think. I think COVID stressed me out to the point where because <laughs> my hair was like. Oh, blood blaming COVID. No, I swear, I didn't have COVID is out for everybody. Yo, what's wrong with you? Oh, you know, COVID be out here, bro. Like, you know, COVID, bro. I can't even. My skin's still holding on, so I may be totally gray in five years. Your name is black. Don't crack unless you don't use no shea butter or lotion. So that's crazy. <laughs> All right, we out, man. We'll talk to y'all next week. Peace, y'all. Thanks for listening to Columbus Can't Wait, y'all. And before we go, we want to acknowledge that we are on the traditional territory of hundreds of different indigenous tribes and nations, including the Hopewell, Adena, Miamia, Shawanwaki, Shawnee, and Kaskaskia. Indigenous people are still here, and we want to acknowledge that we are on their land and recording this podcast. Have a good night, y'all.